Well, if you want to find your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians, we're walking through this book. We're in Ephesians chapter 6, looking at the armor of God, and we'll be in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. So while you're finding your Bibles and turning there, I want to give you a quick family update. Big week for our family. We have a new addition. Here she is, all right? Uh, I want you to meet Macy Antoinette Mancini. This was not too long after she's born. She's like, what in the world is happening to me? Right there. Uh, Antoinette is actually my mother's name. It's a fifth generation name in our family now. And uh, so I just wanted you to meet Macy right there. We're pretty fired up about that. So this is a big Sunday, okay? We got all these graduates, and this is kind of like this milestone moment, right? And so I know that our students have been working really hard. They've been prepping for tests. And so I've got a test for all of you, okay? All right? So you ready? Studied up? I'm going to show you a picture here. So take a look. All right, look at it this really carefully, and I'm going to ask you this question. What's wrong with this picture, okay, that he's holding a rose? No, that's, that's not it. What, what's wrong? He's got an umbrella. Oh, that's cool, right? It's raining. It's good that he has an umbrella, right? What's, what's wrong with that? He's not using it. Okay, there we go. All right, man, I don't know what he's thinking. He's got the rose. He's got the umbrella. He's down in a rainstorm. But he's not using it correctly. You see, you know, umbrellas are only good in a rainstorm if, first of all, you have one, and you have the skill and the will to use it, right? That's the only way. In fact, you want to be like this guy in a rainstorm, uh, but guess what? He's doing okay. You see, when you use an umbrella correctly, it doesn't stop the rain, does it? No, it just prevents the rain from hitting you. And I want you to keep this in mind. Because as we're going through the armor of God, we're at a particular piece of armor referred to as the shield of faith. And you not only have to have it, you have to have the will and the skill to use it. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. But friends, I'm so glad you're here because this is of critical importance. How we apply our faith in Christ will make all the difference in our lives. And we need to have this shield of faith because we are in a war. Not a war that you will ever hear about on the news. It's, I've never seen it in any newspaper. It's like, it's never covered, but I want you to know this is the reality. This is why it is the grand culmination to the book of Ephesians to tell us we're in a war, the stakes are high. So he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, finally, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. We have to be strong in our relationship with the Lord and in his might because we're in the midst of a battle. And what does this battle look like? Well, take a look. He says, verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. We have an adversary to our faith and our adversary to our lives. He is referred to as the devil. He and all the fallen angels that have aligned with him are seeking to bring about widespread destruction. For the non-believers, which there are many, he keeps them in total darkness. It's okay to have familiarity with God, even reference his name, but to never truly trust Christ as Savior. As long as you never truly enter into a relationship, a saving relationship with Christ, why Satan just has you kept in his strongholds, And it's like you are really no threat. 
But once a person places their faith in Christ, that God in his work of redemption calls us to himself, all of a sudden, we are now in God's kingdom. We're united with Christ, and he could never separate us from Christ, but he can wage war, create difficulties, devastation, discouragement, looking to bring division. In fact, he has what the scriptures refer to as schemes, the methodia. He stealthily comes upon and like a wild animal just pounces upon, looking to bring destruction. And we've been talking about this, these schemes, referred to them as the killer Ds. Several ladies have told me they've actually had this up on by their monitor, just as a reminder of what they're facing and what to do about it. Maybe these killer Ds, maybe you faced them this week. Let me remind you, doubt, denial, discouragement. That hit you? How about discontentment, diversion, disregard of godly counsel, disinterest, deception, destruction? Here's one. Disunity, trying to break your relationships apart, your family, your marriage, your small group, our church. Well, I'm just going to divide, disunity, doctrinal confusion, duplicity, or just raw disobedience. And I want you to know this barrage is heavy. These Ds are real. These schemes are experienced on a regular basis. How in the world are we to walk in this world facing this kind of opposition? Verse 13, therefore, we are to take up the full armor of God. We have to take up the armor of God because why? Because verse 12 tells us, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. And he uses military language. You need to take it up, put it on this armor of God, because that is the only way that we'll stand strong. And we don't stand just alone. We stand together. And so what Paul is doing is he's using metaphorical language, comparing the armor used by a Roman soldier to the, to the aspects of relationship with Christ that allow us to stand strong against the enemy. And this armor, this imagery, it can be traced all the way back to the book of Isaiah, where Messiah is described 700 years prior to the coming of Jesus. The Messiah is described as wearing and having this armor. And really, the armor is a picture of the aspects of relationship with Christ that bring strength, joy, vitality, courage, and faith. And so the whole armor of God is really a picture of Christ. So when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, Christ not only saves us from our sin, but he lives in our lives. Jesus is not only a savior, who died in our place, paid the penalty for sin, the wages of sin is death, but he rose again on the third day and he gives life, genuine spiritual life, to those who believe in him. He is a savior, but he is also our protector. God wants you to know salvation in Christ, but he also wants to know the tremendous resources and the protection and the life that we have in him. And so the only way that'll happen is if we will put on the full armor of God. This is why Ephesians 6 needs to be well-studied by every believer. Because apart from actually living 
in light of our relationship with Christ and the resources we have in him, guess what? We're going to take a lot of hits. The Christian life is going to be very frustrating. You're going to live in a lot of doubt and discouragement and, and all sorts of upheaval. You will not mature unless you are well-equipped with the armor of God. And so you're like, well, okay, how do you put on this armor? Let me just tell you. We put on the armor of God by living and loving the real, in the realities that we have in relationship with Christ, by loving these truths. And that's what we're focused on. So we've been systematically walking through this. We're going real slow because we can't afford to miss this. If you just like, well, that was a nice message, and you don't really apply this, and this doesn't become part of your way of life, you are going to face those killer Ds, and it's going to bring a lot of damage. So how do you stand strong in the strength of his might, like he says in verse 10? Well, let me just review. You are, first of all, committed to the truth. You see that in verse 14. You stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Your life, your faith, is based on what is actually true, God's revealed truth. And we also need to be covered with his righteousness, having put on, verse 14, the breastplate of righteousness. We're covered by the perfect righteousness of Christ, his righteousness credited to our life. But that righteousness that we have in Christ leads to a life of living rightly before God. And then as we saw uh, last week, we also need to be communicating the gospel of peace. So as he's talking about this armor, the next thing he says in verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That leads us to where we're at today, this critical peace. And that is found in verse 16. We need to be confident in our faith in Christ. He says, verse 16, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So the word here is take up, and it literally means to pick up, to carry. And so a soldier going into battle, before he did, he would pick up and he would take up his shield. Now, the Romans had a variety of shields. Let me give you the two most popular ones. One was a, a round one, about two feet in diameter. The soldier would strap it with two leather straps to his left arm, and it was used when they were fighting in hand-to-hand combat to block the blows of swords that were either being thrust at them or they're trying to hack them apart. You block, but then you've got your sword, and then you would use it. And in, in these combat situations, one of you is going to win. So this was a very important shield, but that's not the shield that he's talking about here. The shield that Paul is referencing was the Roman scutum, okay? And here's actually a picture of a Roman scutum. It's about 2,000 years old. They were about two and a half feet wide, four and a half feet tall. They were either oval or rectangular in shape. And this was, so the human stature was a lot shorter than it is today. This would basically cover most of a Roman soldier, Now, how they were designed, they were made of wood, and then what they would do is they would take some thick, well-oiled leather, and they would cover these shields. And they also would trim them out with metal. So they had sometimes uh, metal, uh, like, actually on the leather itself, but often there was metal that went all the way around the shield. This actually allowed them to lock their shields together. And so this is how the Romans fought. And here's kind of an image of what that looked like. Those shields could actually be locked together. And when the Romans would do this, it was called a phalanx. And so they would line up, and we know from historians accounting how the Romans fought, 
they could actually have a line of soldiers, a phalanx, going a mile plus long. And it became one massive wall. And so how they moved forward, they would just move forward. It was like, as long as they didn't break ranks, they were pretty much invincible. And so what would happen, though, is that you would have the opposition, and they would shoot arrows at the Roman soldiers. And so what they did in order to protect themselves, they had guys behind them with shields, and they would raise up these same size shields, and they'd create this, like, roof. So you had a wall, and you had a covering. And so all those arrows that were coming down, and there would be a bunch of them, why they would just be hitting these shields. But in ancient warfare, for thousands of years, you didn't just shoot arrows. You oftentimes shot arrows that were flaming arrows. And so what they would do is they would take cloth, and they would uh, have, have them being kind of completely absorbed with a bunch of pitch, and they would wrap that cloth onto the arrow, and right before they shot it, they would have someone that would light it on fire, and that pit, pitch would just catch on fire, which is combustible, and then they would launch the arrows, and so those arrows would go sailing, and whatever they hit, not only would they, they make an impact and cause damage, but all of that pitch on that cloth would splatter for several feet, and it would cause anything it touched to burn, the person, their clothing, their gear. And so it was when they fought with arrows, what it really looked like was just all these flaming missiles, these arrows on fire, and they would be shot at the, opposition, the opposing army. And so when you come there to verse 16, take a look. You see, like, wow, that's really important. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to, now that's an interesting word, extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You would almost think like, well, they would probably, they should use the word like deflect, right? I mean, the arrows would kind of hit and, and bounce off. That's, that's what should happen. But the word is extinguish. It literally means to like quench with water, to put out. And this is what is actually happening. You see, a Roman soldier not only had a, a, a shield, but it was a shield that was prepared and that well-oiled piece of leather, what they would do before they had went into battle is they would submerge it into water where it literally would absorb all that wood and all that leather would absorb water so that when the flaming arrows were shot and they hit their wooden shields that had all that leather in there, the shields didn't burst into flames. In fact, it would extinguish them. One historian writing of how the Romans fought actually said this, that the, in the heat of the battle, the shields were often bristled with smoking arrows like, a, like roasted porcupines. And so when these Romans are fighting, they had their shields up, and they'd absorb all these flaming arrows, and there'd be smoke everywhere and as that fire went out. But they didn't burn up because that shield that had been doused in that water and submerged there was able to put it out, and they would absorb all these flaming arrows. And this, by the way, this is how the Israelites fought. Many uh, far Middle Eastern armies, this is what it looked like. Certainly the Greeks and the Romans, this is how they fought, and this is how they protected themselves. This is ancient warfare. So Roman soldiers that were going into battle, one of the things they did is that they made full use of their shield. And let me just tell you how they did that. First of all, they would take it up. You're going to go into a fight, you get your shield, 
and you make sure it's with you. You don't like, that shield is big and clunky. I don't actually look good with the shield. You know, I think I'll just leave it behind there. No, because you show up to battle, you're dead. And you're going to cause problems for others if you can't, if you're not protected and you don't have your shield. So you take it up and then you build it up. So if there's any repair work, like, you know, that metal part would have been broken off or there was something that was damaged or you build it up by actually submerging it into water so you're ready to go, that's what they did. Fight's coming on, we're submerging those shields, we're building it up, and then you would, when the fight was on, you'd bring it up. When you saw all those flaming arrows, you didn't just stand there like, wow, that is so cool, like the 4th of July, which hasn't even happened yet, and watch them coming in at you. No, you, what would you do? Whoosh! You get the shield up. So you don't absorb those arrows, your shield does. And so when Paul says, we're to take up the shield of faith, saint, this is what you do. This is how you utilize the shield of faith, the exact same way. You got to take it up. You got to pick it up each day, your faith, carry it with you. You need to build it up. If there's anything that needs to be repaired, take it seriously. You're in a war. You want to get it fixed. And you want to make sure that your shield is prepared, submerged in the washing of the water of the word. And then you need to bring it up. When the arrows are flying, and friends, every day they are flying, you need to bring it up. Don't try to absorb these things on your own. Take up the shield of faith. And it's interesting, in the Greek, there's actually a definite article before the word faith. It's, it really could be translated, and take up the shield of The faith, the faith once for all given to the saints, the body of doctrine, the truth about God, his word, take it up because it is the word that shows us the grandeur of God and puts our faith in him and our confidence is in God. So he says, take up the shield of the faith, but you'll want to be ready. And so you got to be ready because just like in a battle, you're going to face thousands of flaming arrows. You are in a war. And the flaming arrows, they're myriad. And let me just give you some examples of what you and I are facing. Like, for instance, the flaming arrow of self-centered disappointment, you know, and dissatisfaction. This isn't quite what you wanted. Well, yeah, I'm married, but this person over here, this is much more my style, and I made a mistake here, and I'm, I'm not happy with this or whatever. What happens, you'll make some really stupid decisions if your shield of faith isn't up. Let me give you another. And this one is, this one is paid a, people have paid a lot of tuition on. Uncontrolled lust. All of a sudden, you know, you got all sorts of opportunities with your phone and your computer and what you'd even allow your mind just to kind of fixate and focus on. And you don't take up that shield of faith, guess what? <laughs> You're going to make some terrible decisions. Ones that will destroy you, destroy your relationships, and it'll be carried forth, maybe forth like in several generations of the story of what you did and how you behaved. You didn't take up the shield of faith. Here's another one, doubt. You know, I mean, like, you got through a divorce, you lost your job, now you got the serious health issue, and you're like, where's God in all this? He's abandoned me and he's given me up. It's that missile that gets shot right in there. It's flaming. If you don't have that raise up the shield of faith about who God is and how he shepherds his own, no matter what, 
and that he is in the midst of all of this, guess what? You take a hit. Oh, give me a few others. You're criticized. You're going to be criticized in this life. Well, if you're like, oh, no, 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 you're not going to criticize me. You do that, I'm going for the jugular, right? And you, I'm, you don't know who you're messing with, right? Instead of taking the shield of faith where you can actually look at this from God's perspective and have his peace on these matters and like, like look at it as a mature believer and say, hey, is there something that I should be picking up from this, a kernel of truth? Oh, no, you know better. I want you to know you have not raised the shield of faith. You've taken on a flaming arrow. I'll give you another, like pride, you know, that, that exaggerated self-esteem. You know, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The shield of faith says, God, I, I want to walk with you in humility. Do your work in me and through me. Don't fill me with self-aggrandizement about how good I am. If you don't have that up, you take on another arrow. In his book, By Grace Alone, Sinclair Ferguson gives four major fiery darts that Satan uses to unsettle believers and rob them of the assurance of the peace that they have in the gospel. Fiery dart number one, God is against you, Satan says. He's not really for you. How can you believe that he's for you when you see these things that are happening in your life? I want you to know that's how Satan works. He is looking to get you to doubt God and to not trust him. Another fiery dart. I have accusations I will bring against you because of your sins, Satan says. And what can you say in defense of all that? Another fiery dart. You can say you are forgiven, but guess what? Now, there's a payback day coming. That's what Satan loves to to plant that arrow into your heart. And so this is how I, I, I've seen it with Christians. They're like, okay, whatever I did before I trusted in Jesus, I, and I've, I've trusted him, I'm forgiven. But now that I'm a Christian, and I should know better, and I have known better, I just did the wrong thing, why, that sin's on me. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ has paid it all. You tell me what sin Jesus didn't pay for. He paid for all of it. And we live in the security of a savior. All of salvation is all of grace. God did it. Or let me give you another. Satan will say, given your track record, what hope do you have that you'll persevere to the end? It's the idea like, nah, this is just temporary. And you're going to go back to your old self and your old way of thinking and your old way of life. These are the darts that are shot at. And we face these. In fact, we face a barrage of them. But remember this, 2 Corinthians 5:17. You're a new creature in Christ. Behold, the old things have gone away. Behold, new things have come. So we, as Christians, we're living in a world, and Satan is going after us with these fiery darts. And I'll I'll just give you kind of a widespread description of things that you and I face. Temptation of every sort, doubt, anger, frustration, pride, despair, fear, guilt. You face discouragement, stubbornness, laziness, suspicion, jealousy, hate, wrath, right? Greed. There's just something about this desire to sin. Where does that even come from? There's fiery darts, and they're just, they're, they're everywhere. And if you think, well, well, I'm kind of exempt from that, uh, you're not. You're either deluded or you're really not one of God's children. Because even Jesus himself, think of it, the eternal son of God, when he walked on this earth, you know, like before he really began his three-year ministry, You know what happened, don't you? He was in the desert 
And what did Satan do? He shot his very best darts at him to get him to distrust the father's plan, to go a different way. And if Satan is willing to take on the eternal son of God, whom he knows he can't defeat, then I can assure you, he's going to take his followers on. And if you're trusting in Jesus, that means you. You are in the war. You see, if we're going to move forward in this life, when we face all these fiery darts, we've got to raise up the shield of faith, the faith, believing in Christ, the truth of the word. We can't absorb these things. It's interesting, if you've ever done some reading about POWs in Vietnam, these prisoners of war, those that made it and came out, they did two things. One, they would always put up a mental shield. And the second thing is that they held tenaciously to the truth. Because the North uh, Vietnamese, what they would do, North Korea, they, what they would do is they would actually take these soldiers and they would continually pump propaganda into their cells. It was always going on, saying things that the military has given up on you, your government is corrupt. Your wives have left you and they've gone and married other men and they would just play this stuff all the time. It was all meant to play with their heads. And the only way that you really survived that and really fought, you could no longer physically fight, is if you put up a mental shield and you tenaciously held to what is true. Friends, that is what we need to do as well. The North Vietnamese, they were looking to destroy our men the ones that made it held tenaciously to what is true and they put up a mental shield. Friends, you and I, we're in a similar kind of war. The barrage is on and what we need to do is don't believe the lies. You and I need to raise up the shield of faith. Like it says in 1 John 5, 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Do you know what it is? Do you know what the victory is that has overcome the world? Our faith. Our faith in Christ. That is not, that is the only way that we survive and we make it. It's interesting when you consider Satan's strategies, it's like we can learn a lot by actually looking at like ancient warfare. PSYOPs or psychological operations. This isn't like something new like modern warfare. This has been around for a long, long time. There's a book Tim Downs has written called Head Game. And in that book, he actually talks about Alexander the Great and his conquering army. And Alexander the Great was a master at PSYOPs. In one particular situation where Alexander the Great was going against an army that was much bigger than his, and his entire army was in full retreat. Alexander told his armorers to build armor that would fit soldiers seven to eight feet tall and to have helmets that would also be like the equivalent of like giants. And so though, while they're in full retreat and being pursued by this, uh, this army, what he did is then have some of this huge, massive armor like dropped and left and so when the pursuing army would come, they would look like, whoa, there's some of their armor. They're shedding their armor. And then they'd pick this stuff up and like, oh my, 
This had belonged, this had belonged to a, a giant. And they kept finding this stuff. And they're like, uh, 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 I don't want to fight a guy that's twice my size. That's not going to end well. And by actually using that kind of like disguise and, and these, this armor that really didn't fit any of their soldiers, it was all just a hoax. That opposing army, they backed off. They're like, we don't want any of this. That's what Satan does. He wants you to believe the lies. And he's shooting those arrows. And how is it? How is it that we can keep from being demoralized by fear and doubt? Let me tell you. You focus on the goodness and the greatness of God. You raise up that shield of faith. As we're going through the book of Ephesians, have you noticed in those two prayers, that is the focus, the goodness and the greatness of God. Let me remind you, like Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. Or like that second prayer you find in Ephesians 3, he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, beyond all that you could ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory, in the church and in Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. What we need is the faith and to put our faith in God. And what you're saying, like, well, what is faith? Faith is actively trusting. Faith is taking God at his word. That's what we need to do. And when we raise that shield of faith, it's like a divine fire extinguisher. Those flaming darts that come up, we're like, hey, here's the truth on the matter. This is what God has to say. All of a sudden, they don't have quite the effect. It's like they just kind of go out. They're extinguished. And friends, when you take up the shield of faith, then we're fighting the spiritual battle as God has prescribed. You know, if you don't take up the shield of faith, what happens is you will start to demonize people that you sense are against you or not doing things the way you want. And I've, I've seen that in my own life. Like, if I'm not thinking about this biblically, if I'm not raised up the shield of faith, you like think really poorly of people and you can demonize them. And it, and it can play some pretty serious head games in your life. Well, I want you to know that what we need to do is we need to focus on what is true. We need to fight the spiritual battle in God's way, taking up the truth, believing by faith. I'll tell you something else. It's kind of common in certain segments of Christianity to be almost fixated on this spiritual war. And it's kind of like the idea that what you, you're almost eager to recognize like demonic dimensions of the battle, to fixate like on Satan. And, and what it kind of looks like is like you got people that are, uh, it's like you're talking to God, but then all of a sudden you switch and you're addressing the devil. And, I, and I've, I've seen this. I've been in prayer groups and like, like, wait a second here. thought we were talking to God. Now we're addressing Satan. I've even been in a public situation where there was this public prayer deal going on. And a pastor switched from talking to God to start addressing Satan and binding Satan. And like, wait a second here. What is even going on? I want you to know that's not what this text says. 
There is nothing in this passage that suggests that we are to, in any way, fight against spiritual forces of evil by primarily rebuking them, commanding them, binding them, or otherwise in claiming some sort of authority over them. That's not how you fight the battle. Well, then how do you fight this spiritual battle? Because that's kind of popular, and that sells books when you can, well, this is what you need to do, and you say these sort of things, and and you control the demonic spirits. I want you to know, that's not in the Bible. So how do you fight? Well, we fight principally by just doing exactly what he says, putting on the full armor of God, his truth, his righteousness. We are having, we're prepared with the gospel We are raising up the shield of faith. We're believing the truth. We're living in it. We got the word of God. We're people of prayer. That's how we fight. You see, we put on the armor of God when we love and live in the realities of our relationship with Christ. That's what it looks like moving forward. And so when you're facing all sorts of oppositions and all these dark and difficult thoughts are coming, what do you do? You raise up the shield of faith. You know, on this particular Sunday, uh, we have the privilege of, of like recognizing graduates, specifically on this Sunday, graduates from high school. Huge accomplishment. And I, like, I remember when I came out of high school, I mean, it's like you have so many opportunities in front of you, like your whole future. It's such an exciting time. I hope you take it all in. But I also want you to know that there's some serious dangers that lurk out of there, out there. And the first danger is there's like one in your heart. There's something about us that is drawn to sin. And I want you to know that if you are looking for sin, looking for trouble, like looking like, you know, finally leaving home, now I'm going to really kind of experience the ways of this world. I, I, I see it on TV all the time. I hear about it. And here's my chance. I want you to know if you're looking for sin, you're looking for trouble, you're going to find it. Or may I say, it will find you. And if you are going to approach life without the shield of faith, you're kind of like the equivalent of a hay bale at target practice. You're just going to absorb it. Or like the guy standing with an umbrella in a rainstorm, but not really using it. Don't be surprised if you're pummeled by rain. This text tells us we're in a war. And I want you to know that some of these arrows that you take in, well, they have a real scarring effect, especially when they're on fire. It is painful. And it is so difficult to see good lives going down in flames because they didn't raise the shield of faith. They weren't involved with other believers. They didn't understand the importance of the church or being in God's word or raising up that shield of faith and going against the opposition. And they took it all in. Friends, we have high hopes for you. We love you, and we're for you. You want to take up this shield of faith. So how do you do that? We utilize the shield of faith by, first of all, you got to take it up. Each day, pick it up. Remember like a Roman soldier? Going to go into battle? I'm bringing my shield. You You are talking with God. You're trusting in him. You're taking your concerns and your matters to God. You are developing a pattern of walking with God. And you then build it up. If you take your shield. So remember, like, they would look at their shield, something broken, I'm going to get it fixed. If you've got some issues in your life, I don't care what age you are, I want you to know God wants you to experience health and healing. 
And he does so through his word, his spirit, and his people. You've got some deep-seated issues, and it might surprise you the number of people that have some pretty significant issues that have gone on in their life. God wants you to experience healing and wholeness, and that's found in Christ. And there are some people that have some training, counselors, that can help you so you experience biblical counselors to help you experience fullness of life in Christ. You want to grow in what you believe. You want to fortify your faith. And you remember how they would like douse it in water, submerge it in water, that shield? That's what we need to do with our faith, through the washing of the water of the word, like Ephesians 5.26. Being involved in, in worship services that fill your heart with new strength, hearing biblical sermons, being engaged in faith-filled conversations. There are times that I come into our, our worship center, and it's been a tough week. But then to be with the saints and to sing praises to God, to pray together, I'll tell you what, it revitalizes your life. And so when you are going to walk with the shield of faith, you take it up, you build it up, and you bring it up when those arrows start flying. You bring it up. Sometimes I have to actually say God's truth out loud, to quote it, to read it out loud. And you want to bring it up in conversation, when you're, when you're talking with someone and they're having a difficult time and they're espousing things that you know are not helpful, they're like, oh, man, I'm really sorry about that. Next. No, you talk with them about Christ. Yeah, you're going through a real tough time, but let's be mindful that, you know what? God is working all things together for his good. He's going to shape you into the image of his son, and I'm with you, and I'm going to pray with you right now. That's what we need. That's how soldiers fight. That's what it looks like to be in it together. And so, friends, I want to encourage you. Take up the shield of faith when you're facing the onslaught of the evil one, and it happens every day. You ever been to the Niagara River? Okay, anybody, how many of you have been there? Just curious. Oh, some of you need to go on a vacation. Okay, not too many. Okay, so Niagara Falls. Okay, you got the American and Horseshoe Falls. It, they, they drop 180 feet, Okay. And it's, so it's the Niagara River, and the Niagara River really picks up stream, steam before it hits those falls. But before the falls, there is like the Welland River. And at that part of the river, when it goes into the Niagara, you know what? Guess what? You can boat around there. The current's not as strong. I mean, it's safe to be there. But where the Welland River flows into the Niagara River, uh, there are, is a bridge with some pylons, and it has uh, a sign for all boaters. And it's, it's a pretty simple sign. And it just says this, do you have an anchor? Okay? That would be pretty important. Because if you don't have an anchor, and you get caught up in the current, you're going to go over the falls, you're not going to make it. But then the second thing it just says is this, do you know how to use it? Yeah, got an anchor? Not sure what to do with this thing here. It seems to... Let me ask you, do you have a faith Do you have a faith in Christ? Do you? Do you know how to use it? Do you know how to apply your faith when the heat is on? See, how we apply our faith in Christ, it makes all the difference in our lives. You don't want to be a spiritual shipwreck. You want to walk in the goodness and the greatness of God. We do so by faith. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. And for someone who is here today who's never truly trusted you, would they just pray with me now and say, God, those arrows, like that's my life. I've been pulverized by these things. My sin is great and I need a savior. I need the savior. I'm turning from myself and my sin this day and I'm, 
I'm trusting in you. Would you pray that right now? Receive forgiveness. Receive Christ. Receive his life by faith. Just believe him. And Lord, for those of us who do know you, God, you've awakened our eyes and our hearts that we're in a war. A war that you have won through the victory of Christ, and yet we can experience a lot of wreckage in our life when we don't really apply the armor you've given us, especially this shield of faith. So God, make us strong in you. Help us to be quick to run to you, to trust in your promises, to truly be of encouragement to one another so that we will experience the joy and the victory of what it means to be in Christ, to represent you well as salt and light to this earth. We ask this as we pray for your namesake and in Jesus' name. Amen.